Welcome to Rob and Tony's Cinematic Adventure. I'm Rob Wilson. And I am Tony the Quan. So today's movie, it's it's uh, unique so far from anything that we've done, because this is both our first viewing of yes. uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once, which uh, pretty much it swept the Oscars this year. Yeah. It had several wins. Much, I think, what, seven? Yeah. First movie to win three theme Oscars and Network, 1976, which did not win Best Picture. Huh. Rocky won Picture. Yeah, it did. So yeah, this uh, you're getting our uh, first discussion ever with each other about this movie. Yes. Because it's our first viewing of it. We uh, went into this one hoping that it was as good as everybody said. And we will let you know what we think throughout we think, this uh, throughout this episode. I think it's good. Like I know you've watched it a little more recently than I did. I've had more time to let it kind of percolate a little mm-hmm. bit. I always think it's a little odd odd but weird and you just kind of have to try to be as objective as possible with certain movies that get a lot of hype because i already thought there's a certain fan base that was really in love with this movie and obviously i knew that doing well on the award circuit and like any movie that does really well on the award circuit if you follow the oscars and globe and all those awards enough you know that there's always pushback so you have this thing where you're kind of juggling between kind of two tugging factions. Don't want to necessarily dive deep into either one. And so then you have kind of your immediate reaction, and it's hard not to jump towards those, right? Whether you think, okay, especially if you're either a little bit underwhelmed or like, oh, yeah, yeah that was really good. Not to like overpraise it either. Because there's plenty of movies that you also overpraise, and then two or three years later, you're like, oh, okay, yeah, it's, it's a good movie, but not that good a movie, right? Yeah, and especially with it being, with it having won so many Oscars. Yeah. You know, there are a lot of movies out there over the years that other movies have been more deserving of the Oscars that those ones have won. Now, yes. I'm not saying that, that everything everywhere all at once didn't deserve the Oscars that right. it won. You know, and that's actually a really important point, too, especially when you approach older movies. So, for an example, take a look at 1980, right? Like, Raging Bulls, kind of like one of the classic Scorsese masterpieces, right? But then one does picture that year is Ordinary People, which, when you look at the two movies, it really makes sense. Neither one's really a feel-good movie, but one's far more approachable than the other. But Ordinary People, if you kind of just take off all its expectations, is actually still a very good movie that's well-acted and well-written. So you, just, you need to kind of, yeah, it's hard not to be influenced in ways by the height or by the hate, necessarily. Again, like you were saying, especially when it does so well, because you're also analyzing certain aspects of it. Like, yeah, okay, like, okay, well, this person deserve the one best actor or best actress? Yeah, I mean, because the, there are the times actor. when, there are times when, you know, the Oscar should be the best part of the movie, you know, whether it's in acting or music or directing, cinematography, writing, all that. Whoever's best should be the one that wins it. But so often it's almost more like a popularity contest for no, especially especially when the in the acting categories. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, especially the acting categories, because as you get into the thing is like, well, who's due sometimes or. I think it's easy in the acting category sometimes being thoughts like there's really like biopics to be like, oh, well, he seemed just or she just seemed like this person, right? You know, mm-hmm. and, you know and sometimes, let's push with that, like you get like the mimicry 
and like let's also look at the acting. I kind of think uh, he didn't win back when Yachting Phoenix played Johnny Cash and walked the line. Mm-hmm. He was really good at it. Yeah, he like, was. He seemed like Cash, but he also delivered in on the, the dramatic aspects of the movie. And so he was nominated for an Oscar, which was a definitely deserved that nomination, right? Yeah. I know recently, I, I haven't seen the movie yet, Renee Zellweger won for portraying Judy Garland. But you know, I look at it like, is it really more because she seemed like Judy Garland? Was she really the best actress that year? I don't know. But, you know, and sometimes it's like, oh, yeah, this person's well overdue. Like when Al Pacino won for set number one, which is not in close to the top five of his performances. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Or when DiCaprio yeah, finally won. Right. And, like, no, I mean, like, DiCaprio is an interesting one because I feel like there were, like, these waves of DiCaprio where he's just kind of more like the hot young guy. Yeah. I mean, definitely some of his early movies, some of his movies in the 90s. Most of his movies in the 90s, he was, you know, the, the heartthrob that everybody wanted yeah. to cast because they knew that they, they would get the female moviegoers to buy tickets. The movie that kind of turned me on for him, turned me kind of around for him, I should say not turned me on, <laughs> <laughs> was uh, Catch Me If You Can, because it kind of actually dug into that and used that to the advantage of the character. But you could see him develop, you know, whether that be like Gangs of New York or the the Departed, even Shutter Island, among others. But like even like The Revenant, I don't. He's still good at it, but not his best. No, yeah, he was you know, he was great in Catch Me If You Can. But I think the one that uh, that turned me around for him was uh, Blood Diamond. Yeah, he's also really good on that. And again, he was great in The Revenant. I would need to look back at everybody that he beat. You know, it helped that he got mauled by a bear. And I actually, I it is good. Anyway, back to everything, everywhere, all at once for E E A O. Mm-hmm. Because everyone likes to or go ahead with E-E-A-A-O. Yeah. <laughs> so much easier you know, just them. to be like R-O-2-K, you know, turn the key. Yeah. <laughs> or even now, so it's like, even if it's not that hard, like Avengers Endgame is A-E. Yeah. <laughs> Talking about Titan A-E? <laughs> Titan A-E. Or Aeon Flux. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, before uh, we actually get into the discussion of the movie, spoiler alert, especially since this is such a recent movie, if you have not seen the movie already and you don't want to be spoiled, we are going to be talking say- about the entire movie, all the all the fun stuff that happens in it. So if you don't want to be spoiled, pause the podcast, go watch the movie and come back and finish listening to the podcast. If you don't mind spoilers, this- then keep listening. But yeah, spoiler alert, we will be talking about everything, beginning, middle, and end. Especially for this, because it is kind of new. For me, it was easy enough to, like, it. obviously, it's different for me now. Like, um, easier for me to go a little bit more blind than, than it was, you know, 10 years ago. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, granted, even 10 years ago, social media presence is not even remotely like it is now. So, <laughs> you know, there's subtle ways that movies could be spoiled. Or, you know, talk about Endgame, I talk about Snap. But yeah, I guess we don't have to uh, discuss the first time we saw the movie because we both just watched it very yes. recently. I just watched it like three days ago. <laughs> and you watched it, what, a week I ago? I watched it like about a week ago. Week ago yeah. <laughs> also, I've had enough time to kind of think about it. And like, so yeah, that was the first time we decided to watch it for this podcast. Yep. And I'm always one that still wants to see Best Picture winners. And I did a whole thing back when, you know, Netflix was just DVDs or anything. Back in all these best picture winners that were 50 years before I was born. So now that that's all out of the way, I want to know in general, kind of 
where you stand overall on the movie before we dive too deep into it. So here's the thing. I was watching it. All right, as soon as the credits rolled, I said to myself, that was a good movie. I enjoyed it. The more yeah. I've thought about it over the last few days, I think I like it a little bit more now than I did then. Because, okay. you know, things have been able to sort of marinate in my head about it. It was very ambitious. Very ambitious. It was, it was but, very creative. No, it's um, very creative. And it was the same and different at the same time as everything that I heard about it before I watched it. <laughs> you know, I, I, I didn't know yeah. much about it. I knew I, I purposefully tried to tried to stay away from a whole lot of spoilers and stuff like that because I was planning on watching it at some point. But uh, I mean, I knew it had to do with alternate universes and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, it was kind of a you know whole multiverse and alternate um, universes. And it but, pushes uh, it differently than the traditional, well, I shouldn't say traditional way. You know, it blends it within kind of the comic book aspect of alternate universes. Yeah. But, but then also the whole metaphysical dimension of it as well. And there's certain movies that do play into like alternate paths, right? So it, bl- it blends the two together. Yeah. Uh, which I don't know if I knew that necessarily, but. Yeah. And, and the more, the more I think about the movie, the more I really like the thing that I loved about the movie is, you know, it starts out when the whole uh, multiverse is introduced and everything in it. Yes. It starts out as this big epic story about trying to save the multiverse <laughs> from this all-powerful being. And as the movie progresses, it becomes, rather than this destroyer of the multiverse, it becomes a real personal family story. Right. I mean, that, that's the thing I think I like the most about it. There, there are issues I have with the movie. It's how, you know, again, there are only so many stories that are actually told in this variety of ways. If I tell yeah. Is this family-centric aspect of it and the power of like, the family kind of coming together, yeah. right? I mean, they, they um, could have very easily kept that, you know, that destroyer of the multiverse story going until the end. And, you know, the end goal was, you know, destroy this monster. But I, I really loved how they, they flipped it on its head. And they're like, yes. you know what? It's not actually this person that's going out and trying to destroy everything. It's this person who has issues with her mother. And that, but, and the like mother that, has issues with her daughter, what, and with saying, her husband. The daughter, and but also it's all issues with her father. We people have issues with yeah everybody. So it's it's how the how how the wife, the mother, the daughter, like you know, the daughter of the of the grandfather. How she is able to connect to all the people in her life, to yes. all the people in her family, and sort of mend bridges between all of them. And it's totally. just it, it it yeah. I just I I liked how it started out as this big stereotypical epic story and really and narrowed it down to like turned it into this really intimate family story. Yeah. I liked where it was able to get to. I think there might've been some bumps along the road to get there, but I liked where it ended. It helped that like, again, I think, you know, the performances overall were really good. I would take issue with one person winning an Oscar, but that would be it. (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> not that i understand they're the, the the others were the best but like okay i get that the third one like eh, i don't know about that sorry jamie lee curtis but yeah i was gonna say you're talking about jamie lee curtis and i would agree <laughs> I, I, I i i, I just not, don't get it like, it's not that she did a bad job she she did great in her role really into the shadows and after that first act and when she even when she did show up after that's like okay whatever and even before that like uh Maybe I it was know. maybe she won because of the hot dog finger scenes. Uh, 
<laughs> but uh, but yeah, no, uh, not not saying anything bad about her performance. She did she did a great job. She did she did what she was supposed to do, and she never would have been nominated for Halloween. But like she was terrific in Halloween. Loved her. Just called Wanda, and I remember being like probably but two lives is nineteen ninety four. I probably didn't see it to 95, mm-hmm. like almost 12, and seeing her yeah. <laughs> dance for <laughs> Arnold <laughs> the dark hotel room, right? You know, like 12 year boy, woo. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah, but I just thought that was, even being nominated, I thought I was like, okay, like I didn't totally get that. And again, that has nothing, not saying she was bad in it, but. Yeah, no. I'd rather sure it was probably better choices to win that Oscar. Now, who I thought was very deserving, and it's just great to see again in a movie, Kiwi Kwan. No, and he, Short he was round. fantastic. He absolutely he was, that was a great win. Oh. In some ways, I'm actually surprised. Like He probably could have been up for lead actor. Yeah, I mean, he um, was... Um, it really is a lot of his story, too, and he drives a lot of it. He's the one that actually is... He's the first one where you kind of actually see like multiple roles in yeah. play, right? Yeah, and it was great to see him again. It was funny. It's like it's always like, oh yeah, I, I could see that being short round all growing yeah, up. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I mean, growing up watching him in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom and Goonies. Goonies, yeah, and yeah, uh, it, he he's really the heart of the movie for me. Yeah, he, he me was like, he's actually my favorite part of the movie. Anytime he was in the movie, it was fantastic. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, I, I, I agree one hundred percent. The zany part of it, well, which again makes you kind of think of being in Temple of Doom, the Goonies, but then like the dramatic stuff with him really hits. Yes. And also, he is probably the only person other than Jackie Chan that could use a fanny pack like that. <laughs> <laughs> it really did lean really well into some of those Jackie Chan type things. I didn't yes. think about that. I'm yes, glad he brought that up. But plugs. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we'll get to all that. <laughs> that was not him. No. Was, I, don't know, I don't know who used the button. Like, <laughs> probably fine. Whatever actor. Yeah. But, Actually, it was two yeah. actors. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. And, yeah. But, yeah, he's, he's fantastic in it. Yeah, I, I, I had to. It, it took a, it took a few minutes to, to get used to him being Michelle Yeoh's husband. Yes. Because I haven't seen him since he was a kid. <laughs> yeah. No, his thing's like, oh, yeah. Like, like, that's yeah, right. He's like, old yeah. now, isn't he? But it looks like he's like, 50. <laughs> because like, he's, right. he's 50. He's older than we are. <laughs> Not by much, but he's older than we are. <laughs> so, uh, but I mean, I, I actually, I was watching uh, just a month or so ago. I was watching uh, Encino Man. And noticed him in that movie. I yeah. never realized he was in Encino Man. I think it was his last role before he kind of quit. Well, he he did a few other things like voice stuff and some smaller, okay. like lower budget yeah. stuff, but nothing, nothing like major releases. I mean, and then back. James Hong is always always great to see and stuff. Yeah, he has but been in a lot. Yeah, I can't even. I was even thinking about the show. Yeah, like last week I saw her, and I don't think it's been forever since mm-hmm. Crouching Tiger, Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Dragon. Oh, yeah, The Mummy, Tomb of the Dragon Emperor. Oh, yeah. I, I haven't seen that movie all the way through. I've just seen parts of it. But, yeah, I just recently, just a month or so ago, or a few weeks ago, Tomorrow Never Dies was on TV, so I was watching part of that. But, yeah, I never saw Crazy Rich Asians, which is referenced very heavily in this movie. Yeah, I never saw it either. 
Yeah, she's been kind of quiet the last decade. So, but yeah, she's yeah. the main person. She, yeah, she's the one that the movie revolves around. Evelyn, Evelyn Wang. She's laundromat because she's Chinese. She's an American. So. Yeah, so that means she one has to have a laundromat. Things that she might own is a laundromat. Mm-hmm. Either a laundromat <laughs> or a Chinese restaurant. I mean, the... <laughs> there's actually aspects of this because, like, you know, the their house is connected to the laundromat. And I always like some of the little details in movies, and I think the way they designed like the house that they live in, really well done. There's so many small details. It's not a huge place. You know, kind of living in close quarters. Her dad's living with them. I think they established really well. Again, it gets into this crazy multiverse aspect of it. Even the beginning of the movie really centers in on that small family aspect. You don't know anything about them yet. And it all kind of moves very quickly at first. You know, there's a lot of tracking shots mm-hmm. moving back and forth between the apartment, laundromat, the own. And I guess you know they have like a dry cleaners too with them, right? You know, yeah. They go dry clean clothes as well. You go in there, you can bring your own stuff and use our washer and dryer that you can drop off clothes and a dry clean. You know, and like it stuff spills into their apartment, right? Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know, it's like this. I like details like that. Little details like that really help kind of sell things. Yeah, because Jenny Slate comes in to get her clothes, and they're not downstairs because Wayman has put <laughs> yeah. them upstairs in the in the apartment. Yeah, and um, put googly eyes all over everything. <laughs> but, you know, obviously the googly eyes come back. Yes, because of course they have to come back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, like it's a good way to just kind of enter into that family because obviously it's centering on them. You know, and that's going to be the end point as well. Yeah, and it's. And it comes into the family. It's it doesn't come in necessarily at happy fun times for the family. No, it comes in in the middle of chaos. Chaos. And uh, <laughs> you know, Wayman has divorce papers. Yep. You know, Evelyn doesn't know anything about but it. Evelyn doesn't know anything about. And you know, so you're kind of stuck wondering what's up with that. Yeah, which is, it's interesting because you would think that it would be Evelyn with her divorce papers. Yeah, but you know, it's not often you think about like other oh, guys. Push that, right? You know, they have one daughter, and then we learned that they basically eloped. They left China together because her dad didn't. Because her dad, yeah. Her dad didn't approve of of their relationship, and she decided to leave her family and marry the love of her life rather than ditching Wayman and sticking with her family. And then eventually, you know, her dad had to come and live with her and Wayman. And we find out with Bungus that they're being audited by the IRS. So, you know, it's. Yeah, it's not easy time. And realize, you know, with the one daughter and realize that she's staying as other girl. And they don't want like yeah, and they're dad to know about it because he's old fashioned, right? Mm-hmm. So you know, this is kind of this whirlwind that things going. So when Joy, the daughter, is introducing her girlfriend to her grandpa, she forgets what the Chinese word for girlfriend is. <laughs> <laughs> right. So you know, Evelyn chimes in. He's like, "Good friend. <laughs> this is her good friend." <laughs> Trying not well, yeah, to reveal that that uh, Joy is gay. There's this aspect, of, like that, you know, you play with a lot of aspects there, though. Of, you know, like identity, self identity as a couple, as a family, but you have your identity within like ethnic group. In trying to navigate all of this, and yeah, and you know, there's this whole thing, especially a lot of ethnic groups, immigrants, right? Kind of experience this thing even within their kids. Like, yeah, they immigrate because they had this hope. For the children, uh, something larger or greater, right? But then how like the kids quickly get assimilated into that new culture, right? Mm-hmm. And strike that balance, and you know that's obviously very much a play with it because it does oscillate kind of between very American things, but then showing back kind of like that 
culture from China. And again, a lot of immigrant groups like experiences. German, Irish, Italian, Chinese, African. Plays in with the wall. I think it handles kind of that aspect pretty well. Yeah, it does. But yeah, so, so you know, we get the first glimpse of something not being quite right. When Evelyn goes back up to the apartment, you know, we see in the in the camera monitor. It's in there. Oh, yeah. We see, you know, Wayman all of a sudden just straightening up real real quick, then jumping over tables and running into the office for a minute to come back for with the change for the guy who's yep. uh, the change <laughs> machine. Eight is twenty. He does the physical aspect really well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I should make a note: Evelyn's father does not live with them. He's visiting the Chinese New Year. Oh, is that what it is? Yes. Okay. I thought. <laughs> I, okay. Yeah. I just remember that, yeah. Okay. I was trying to, yeah. I see, I thought he was living with them. Yeah, that, that's kind of what I thought, and I remember reading up on it again later, and then thinking back on it, he's, yeah, visiting for Chinese New Year. Okay. That's why this is kind of like the first time he's exposed to the entire aspect of what's going on. Okay. That that makes a little more sense that he wouldn't because know what's going it, on like with he, his granddaughter Yeah, because like, it's, like it's not a new thing going on. Joy and Becky, which, again... Like, it's a, this is another good aspect of it, right? Like, even take apart that it's a lesbian relationship is that it's not just, she's also not Asian. She's Becky. Yeah. Like, it's a, she's, that's a really white yeah. name. Yeah. She's <laughs> an American girl. She's, <laughs> but, uh, she's super white. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so th- th- there's also that aspect of it as well. Yeah. That, you know, like, even if she was dating, like, a guy. And yeah. His if, name it was was a, like, if it was a white guy. Then, you know, her grandpa would probably still have issue with it. But yeah, just the fact that it's a lesbian it's, relationship with a white girl. Yeah, yeah. it just so, adds to his frustration over it. And he never approved of the entire thing in the first place. So you get it. Like, oh yeah, she lopes off to America. <laughs> Look at what's happened. And I think it's interesting how they kind of play with the grandfather as things get really nuts in the movie. So as you said, they're being audited by the IRS. Yeah, the IRS agent that they've been meeting with, that they go to meet, is played by Jamie Lee Curtis, Deidre. She's been the Auditor of the Year multiple times. Yes, uh, with stamp trophies that look very much like butt plugs. This movie, and it will focus in on something odd, chances are it will come back later. Yeah, and there's a reason that those trophies are shaped like butt plugs. <laughs> and that comes back later too. <laughs> this might be, you know, I, I, I was thinking about this, right? Like, probably the first Oscar Best Picture winning movie. <laughs> it might be like ambient short or something or documentary, but definitely the first Best Picture winner to to blatantly have things being shoved up people's butts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, remember, broke back mountain, lost the crash. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, yep. And, you know, there's American Beauty has some things going on and never goes. <laughs> um, uh, and, yeah, all the all the uh, the butt sticking stuff in this movie, it, it somewhat makes sense why it's done <laughs> when it happens. But uh, I had another thought about another first picture. It'll probably come back to me. Fighting with dildos? Hot dog fingers. No, that's what it was. And like we're getting into these things. This is what's making me think about it. It's because like these things are really kind of weird and odd. 
there's a lot of very cult aspects of this movie where it's a movie you could see being really more of a cult classic type of movie. Yep. Where at first you're like, okay, yeah, it's decent, and maybe it grows on you, maybe it doesn't. Or some people, when they first watch it, they're really into it. Other people eventually get into it. So, you know, I guess that's where my thought was. But, you know, thinking about butt plugs, <laughs> um, especially in, you know, Jackie Chan style combat <laughs> that has very much that feel of a cult classic type of movie. And I don't think there's many best picture movies that have that feel. No, right? you're, you're, you're right. It, it definitely you know, does have that cult classic feel. feel. They get expanded fields where like, maybe it's not a, but you don't ever expect it to win. You know, like the Coen brothers have very cult type movies, but the most cult type movies aren't the ones that won, like Big Lebowski, Raising Arizona, didn't it? You know, like No Country for Old Men. Yeah, like, no, that's a little bit more straightforward. You don't see that as a cult classic type movie. It's one where you look at, like, oh, yeah, I get that winning. The critics liked it. I see it winning awards. Like, Burn After Reading, that didn't win anything. It's got a uh, rocking chair with a giant dildo in it. <laughs> oh, it's so, and I get part of it too is that there is a lot of heart within this movie, which, as Doctor earlier, is kind of a, you know the cohesive aspect of it. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, they're at the IRS office, and well, even before we get to like her desk, they're in the elevator. Oh yeah, yes, they're <laughs> in the elevator, and Wayman basically transforms into a different Wayman. Alpha. Yeah, Alpha verse Wayman. <laughs> You know, it just starts acting really weird from, you know, our perspective and from Evelyn's perspective. He's just acting weird. Yep. But, you know, basically explains to, to Evelyn that he's from a parallel universe and gives her a couple of Bluetooth headsets on each ear. Yeah. <laughs> which what I didn't understand about that was why does she need two? But so many other people in the movie only needed one. Right. Yep. But, uh, but anyway, those headsets are the keys to reaching out to the different universes. But yeah. It gives her instructions on what to do when she gets out of the elevator. It's it's like confusing, which which I kind of like because sometimes the movies get really confusing first watching like what's happening, and so you, you kind of have that perspective of Evelyn because it's so jarring for her. And again, like I think this goes to Hong, like how well of an actor I think is he oscillates really well between kind of this really manic personality, like when you see him as like alpha women, and then his character with. In, you know, like, I guess you want to call it the, the prime universe, right, that we're dealing with. <laughs> you know, he's trying to act like everything's okay when everything is not. Now yeah. that he wants to get a divorce, and we'll get into the very more dramatic aspects of it. But he really hits those notes well, really well very quickly. He doesn't want to get a divorce, but he feels that right. it's, that it's that's necessary. That, that's, that's he feels that it's the only option. But yeah, so he, um, he, get, he goes between all that really well. And he gives the kind of that rundown where in kind of when the alpha women comes over, it's like, you know, one of the rundowns he gives is that it's Evelyn from his universe is deceased. And she's, I guess she's what? She kind of developed the... Uh, yeah, she's the one that discovered... The jumping from yeah. between the, the verses. She's the one that discovered the other universes and, and how it's not to just jump. And say, kind of, if you watch a lot of more like comic book centric stuff where you just have like multiple Earths. And so that's why, for example, you can have Christopher Reeve playing Superman and Brandon Ralph playing Superman, Henry Cobble playing Superman, right? They're all from different Earths, right? Well, technically, the the Christopher Reeve and Brandon Ralph were the same Superman. That's but you're correct. Yeah. Yes, Tom <laughs> Welling. Tom yes, Welling. There is, you go. Uh, <laughs> 
or you know they get into like you have different flashes and Affleck and Michael Keaton. But with this, it, like each of your choices creates a different parallel universe. So Evelyn is an universe where Evelyn stays in China. But then when you branch off of that, that Evelyn makes different choices, which creates. Changes. So that's kind of the, the basic rundown. And obviously for Evelyn, Prime Evelyn, as I'm going to call her, that's super confusing because here she is. She's about to be an IRS agent. She's trying to save her business and her livelihood. And Whammon starts acting weird, telling her that he's from a different <laughs> universe <laughs> and gives her instructions on meeting with him again. And she doesn't know what to think of it all. But, you know, the uh, the alpha jumping in a lot of ways, you know, it's a good way to explain it is yeah. to kind of think of the Matrix. Yeah, is that is a good way. That they can kind of download different versions of themselves. Yes. So, yeah. So verse jumping, as they call it, is they can basically reach out to a different version of themselves. You know, like Marvel would call it variants, different variants of themselves. And basically use whatever skills that version knows how to do. You know, we use whatever skills they have. So in one universe, Evelyn is a Kung Fu master. (laughs) And one, she's a singer. And one, she's, you know, all of these. She is a very poor Benny Hunter. Yes. And one, she's a very poor Benny Hanna chef, which that that opens up a, a really funny section of the movie. <laughs> I, I got a kick out of that whole little storyline. Yeah, that, but, that was uh, <laughs> maybe one of my favorite parts of the movie. <laughs> and then in one in one universe, she has hot dog fingers. <laughs> because back in the evolution of man, when <laughs> I thought it was it was very very good, uh, you know sort of adapting the opening scene from 2001 <laughs> with, yeah. the, with the apes, you know, the one ape with, with, uh, with hot dog fingers, killing the one with normal hands. And that's the one that humans evolved from. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh my. But, uh, but yeah, so there's a lot of good references in the movie. Yes. But yeah, so, so, Alpha Wayman gives Evelyn Prime a, uh, a, you know, just a list of simple things to do, you know, simple things to follow so that they can meet again, basically. And he can explain further what is going on. We're kind of going back and forth to where we're seeing him talk with her, but then he's inhabiting the body of Prime Wayman. And you see him in this van, kind of like, again, some of, you know, he's not kind of like the Matrix are kind of more in a sleep pattern. Yeah, but he's got... He's, more, he's actually conscious. He's, yeah, he's conscious, and he's wearing what can best be described as Doc Brown's mind-reading hat. A version of that. That's a good way of saying it, yeah. Just a smaller version of it. But yeah, so, you know, on the list, it's... Because he's supposed to meet her in the janitor's closet. <laughs> so it was close your eyes, picture the janitor's closet. Or, no, I guess the first thing on there was switch your shoes to the other feet, and then close your eyes, yeah. picture the janitor's closet then hit the green button on the headset. And then she didn't physically go somewhere else, but she joined with the consciousness of the Evelyn that was in the other universe that was in the janitor closet. So that's where Wayman explains a lot more of what's going on. It explains that Alpha Evelyn was the one that discovered the alternate universes and created verse jumping, you know, figured out how to verse jump. And that this being known as Jobu Topaki... Is uh, is going around trying to destroy the other universes, and within like the Alpha universe, right? Jobu was pushed by that Evelyn to extensively verse jump, jump mm-hmm. between all these different. And that and that pushing her past her limits 
is what caused Jobu Tapaki to have all these abilities that nobody else has. All these right. verse jumping abilities and creation abilities. Right. Because it's usually like not as simple as like you're talking about the Matrix, like they download everything into you. It's more like you have to kind of click the hyperlink yourself yeah. to kind of download into this other verse of yourself. Yeah. Uh, but to in order to uh, in order to link with with the other version, they have to do something that is out of the ordinary. Yes. The more bizarre, the more likely that they'll have a, a good connection. Correct. You know, yeah. Which is why, you know, that. she before she could connect with the Evelyn in the janitor's closet, she her had to switch one. her shoes yes. to the other feet because that's something that she normally wouldn't do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll get into it after uh, the end. As the movie really kicks in the gear, there's certain things she has to do with Deirdre. Yeah. Click that in. That that becomes a big thing because it just seems so weird. But then anyway, that also later in the movie, that part comes full circle. And, does. you know, you see why she had to do that particular thing. Yeah, there, there, there is a reason um, to it that shows kind of the connectiveness of all of it still. So, yeah, see, we have all the strangeness. <laughs> and meanwhile, Deirdre is trying to get Evelyn's attention because she's sort of spaced out, sort of just zoned out in their whole conversation because she's having this conversation yes. with Alpha Women in the janitor closet. And to kind of in the put all this kind of perspective too, it's at the IRS office because you know, this is where the bulk of the movie is going to take place now. If Evelyn, you know, Wayman, if Evelyn's dad, the joy, right? She was she supposed is, to come along as a translator, right. but but she, she got upset. When Evelyn introduced Becky as Joy's good friend, um, so, she so she got upset because she felt doing. that Evelyn didn't support her lifestyle, and she we sort of stormed off. Yeah, they end up going for lunch at a bar. That comes into play fairly soon, but that gives you kind of the setup: is that you have the three of them at the IRS office, and that Alfred Raymond comes in and gives us exposition about yeah. the multiverse. Yeah, it and, is confusing. And meanwhile, this whole time, while while Evelyn is sort of zoned out, Wayman Wayman Prime is talking to Deidre, but we can't really hear what he's saying. But he's he's explaining things to her. He's he's you know pleading their case to her. And then so you know after uh, he, he knows his wife. Like he, yeah, this is what I like about it. That's like it gets back. It's not that he wants a divorce. It's the only way that he sees. Yeah. like he, the way yeah, he sees it as the only option within this. You see how much he loves her. Yeah, you know, it's like you see that, like, no, actually, it's kind of funny. Like, they play up Deirdre, and, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis as like a villain, a typical kind of mean, like, your, yeah, your typical like government, government worker, agent, IRS and... agent, right? No, no one likes the IRS, right? So it's yeah. easy to automatically see them as a villain. But when you kind of hear the case, like, it seems like yeah, it's probably a pretty strong case that there's a lot of irregularities yeah. with their taxes. Yeah, but yeah, especially just, with all the all the receipts they have, you know, karaoke machine and all that that they're trying to write off as business expenses. Thanks for all of all of Evelyn's failed hobbies. Right, but he makes he's just so you know he's just he's so uh, you know, he's compassionate towards her and he's yeah he's passionate also about yeah. like trying to make this case. Yeah. So anyway, he ends up buying them a few more hours yep. to get their affairs in order and come back and meet with her to further go over everything, all their right. tax stuff. Uh, so again, they have no. he he buys he buys them till the end of the day, till six o'clock when the office closes. Which is even you know seems fairly reasonable. They do a good job of making Jamie Lee Curtis look very boogerish. Yeah. <laughs> and you know at least you know Deirdre, this prime Deirdre is very again. 
Now, which, which also in the meantime, while while Wayman is talking to Deidre, Evelyn in the janitor's closet talking to Alpha Wayman keeps on because she's still able to look through her own eyes in the IRS office and keeps on saying, "Oh, Wayman's talking to her. I got to get back there. He's messing things up. He doesn't know what he's talking about. He's he's gonna mess things up. I gotta I gotta fix it." Right. He's actually doing a really good job. Yeah. <laughs> But we don't know that because we can't hear what he's saying. Yeah. But the outcome of that conversation is that he buys them a few more hours. And we see it again later in the movie. They bring it back mm-hmm. later in the movie. But yeah, you know, she's, it is a good job how they kind of portray this aspect of how two people love each other a lot. And still have this very different perspective about each other. Even after, like at this point, probably 20-some years, right? Yeah. You know? Because it's the same thing where he loves her. But he sees this is the only option, but he's still willing to fight for her. And she's just like thinking like, oh, she still has this concept of him being like this screw up. There's this perception. Because she still has, you know, everything that her dad told her. All of his objections against him. And obviously it's like, okay, we're at this really low. But even like when even like Alfred Wayman is the one that believes that Evelyn is still the one like this prime Evelyn, the one that can defeat Jobu, right? You know, and kind of bring a balance so you know, even within the multiverses it's still the one kind of fighting for it and you see we'll see it later in multiple aspects but yeah but they're still so in the dark about kind of each other the prime versions because things will come to head now that happen given that time mm-hmm. right you know going to the elevator yeah because because uh, also a very important part of the conversation in the janitor closet was alpha wayman told evelyn that when the time comes to fight she'll know that's right. <laughs> and so they're given the, the extra couple hours. So they're heading over the elevator and Deidre comes storming after him because Evelyn has an odd reaction to Deidre because in the janitor's closet universe, Deidre broke through the janitor's closet door. That's right. And forgot about that part. Killed yeah. that version of women. Just snapped his neck. <laughs> just snapped his neck right there. Breaks and then, through the door and just. Then came after Evelyn, and that's when she finally jumped back to her own body. And then so she has that, and then jumps back to Deidre, and she's kind of freaking out about Deidre, thinking that she's going to attack her, like she did in the other universe. So when Deidre comes walking toward him at a brisk pace... And again, like we talked about, the Apertrier is very ogre-like. Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, so, so yeah, like so... This, she's coming at in a very intimidating way. Yeah, so uh, when she gets close enough... Then uh, Evelyn punches her in the face and it, Which, you, know, you know, knocks her down. And it turns out that she's just bringing Evelyn her purse because she left it at her desk. It's very innocent. But that gets security called. Which means like now, like there's like armed IRS. Agents. That, that'd be like potential felony. Yeah. So which then when security gets up there, then that brings us into the fun Wayman scene. Yeah. Or, it's uh, back. Yeah, Alpha Wayman does his odd thing to be able to get the the abilities that he needs by <laughs> reaching into his fanny pack and pulling a stick of chapstick yeah, and chewing it like gum. That's <laughs> not just a chapstick. It's like it's like yeah. the, the, not not just the fanny pack. Excuse me. But it's also the chewing. Yeah, because yeah, we forgot to mention throughout the entire movie, Wayman Prime is wearing a fanny pack. It just seems so perfect. So, like yeah, it seems know. perfect for his character. He's wearing a fanny pack. You don't see too many people nowadays with fanny packs. You don't, but I think there's still people that do it, and like he just seems like he's just enough of a nerd. Yeah, to wear a fanny pack. But yeah, inside that fanny pack, there's a stick of chapstick, and so Wayman pulls out the chapstick, 
extends it all the way, bites it off, and starts chewing it like gum. And then you know, the little light, the light on his point, like, earpiece turns green, and he hits the button, and all of a sudden he gets these kung fu abilities from an alternate version of himself. You have like security that's up there, and and so yeah, he takes on all the all the security guards while using his fanny pack as nunchucks. Yeah, it's a very entertaining fight scene. It is. But then that, of course, you know, that whole scene there causes them to have to go on the run yeah, throughout the IRS building because now they're being chased by the cops. Now this, it's being seen <laughs> as this attack on a federal building. So when we see this, right, that's when, of course, Joy and Becky see this on the news. And Becky's like, aren't your parents at the IRS office? And you just see Joy kind of in, cock like, her head and she stands up and, and walks out. Like, in a very robot type way, just mm-hmm. kind of walk out. Yeah, because it's uh, it's revealed to it's revealed to the viewer during the conversation in the in the janitor's closet that Jobu Tapaki is Joy. That Alpha Evelyn was experimenting on Joy to push her past her limits. When you kind of get back into it, like this get, again, kind of gets into this whole family thing, expectations. It makes sense. Where, like you almost kind of feel like within an immigrant aspect of things, trying to push that first generation past something is expectation that prove yourself especially you would think in the case of like ellen's case where like why not prove my father that coming here is this thing to do so there's aspects of that and i think it's definitely you know you have to look at the fact that this is centering in on asian american family i think there's definitely a lot of pushing and striving within that community of these expectations to achieve a certain greatness. It it plays into that aspect as well. So you see kind of joy at this point because you kind of have that knowledge. Kind of assume like, okay, she's being kind of controlled by Joey. Becky's oblivious to all of it. She only, at this point, Becky only kind of plays within kind of the multiverse begins to happen because you now have alpha women trying to guide Evelyn through, kind of, at least at this point, kind of at least the attacks coming in from it's the cops or whoever, you know, anyone they're sending in because again, it seems like this, you know, they're being attacked. So when they have her father is kind of in a break room and he's eating some pudding. Yeah, <laughs> he's pudding. Yeah, licking out the, because, the pudding cup. Um, he's an old man at wheelchair, yeah. so of course he's eating pudding. Yeah. Played by James Hong, so you know it's you know it's a great performance. Yeah, no, he he sold them. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, so when they're running, then uh, you know Alpha Wayman still inhabiting Wayman Prime's body, you know, needs <laughs> needs to be able to tap into the next set of abilities, and so he needs to do something else out of the ordinary in order to do that. And the thing that's most likely to to connect him to what he needs to is to give himself paper cuts between each of his fingers on one hand. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So he grabs a piece of paper and he's trying to do it. Then comments on how impossible it is to give yourself paper cuts when you're trying. Well, it's just so true. (laughs) Any one thing, like if he had to give himself like a paper cut on his tongue, right? Yeah. An envelope. Yeah. Keep yourself a paper cut with a tongue. But he's got to do it between all of his fingers on one hand. So four different paper cuts. Yeah. No, it's not. Yeah. Not just like your fingertips. You no, got to do it like on the web of his fingers. fingers. But like, uh, again, it gets into the craziness of this movie. Man. Yeah. Cause, cause, I don't uh, know. like again, it, it goes back like how well of a performance he does. It, Cause he sells it perfectly. Yeah, because Deidre is chasing them. Deidre being basically possessed by the alternate version of Deidre that was trying to kill him before in the janitor closet. 
So yeah, because of everything that happened at the IRS building, she knew where they were. And so she knew which Deidre to inhabit. And so he's he's finally able to give himself four paper cuts and, and is able to uh, download some more abilities. But yeah, ultimately, he doesn't he get trapped in the office? Yes. It's the table, the yeah, the desk thrown up to block the door and he's stuck in the office. So Evelyn is stuck out there with Deidre. So he can't do anything with his new abilities. This is when, like, it's kind of her first bigger test. Yeah. It's proclaim her love to Deidre, which is to say, I love you. And you can't just be saying, oh, I love you. Because cause there's this, because there's the Evelyn that's a Kung Fu master that she has to connect to. Yep. And the most likely way that she can connect to that Evelyn is by, yeah, by professing her love to Deidre. And so she... And this is where it gets meta, because she'll yell, and mm-hmm. you know, she was in... College and Tiger and Mm-hmm. Right? So, we'll get into her, you know, they get into her Crazy Rich Asians thing, too. But yeah. It, it plays into that. So, it's, yeah. So, basically, the, the Kung Fu Master is also a movie star and, <laughs> you know, this rich, successful star in Hollywood that she got that way because, you know, because also it, it sort of downloads, in addition to the abilities, it, it downloads that particular version's life. Right. Yeah. That, that's a good point. That's a, yeah, so good she sees like, her like history. Receive those things. She doesn't receive just like, oh, yeah. Okay. She's like, yeah, Whatever. I know how to fight now. I know Kung Fu. Um, oh. <laughs> I know Kung Fu. Show me. <laughs> we got to do it. Whoa. <laughs> but uh, uh, anyway, which is funny because like the Matrix was, was the Matrix probably wouldn't really be like crouching dragon. Yeah. So Evelyn sees this but, alternate yeah, Evelyn's. Uh, she sees Kung Fu Evelyn's. Because uh, it within their brain. her whole life. So yeah. she sees that where she, where Evelyn Prime ran off with Wayman. Yes. They see that Kung Fu Evelyn did not. She stayed in China. She broke it off with with Wayman and stayed in China and then met a, met a Kung Fu master who taught her to master the art of Kung Fu. And then she went on to become a movie star and all this the successful, rich celebrity whose life seems so perfect. And it gets Evelyn thinking that, you know, this could have been her if she hadn't eloped with Wayman. And so that's where Wayman, where Alpha Wayman is trying to tries to explain to her that she can't get too attached to her alternate selves. Otherwise yeah. it'll cause it's cause verse jumping is basically she's like a clay pot when she is verse jumping. And the more attached she gets, cracks appear in the pot and starts leaking. And if too many cracks appear, the whole thing's gonna shatter. And so Which what he's trying to teach her is how to repair those cracks as they happen. Yeah, like you know, like the Jedi. Yeah. So they try to teach it how attachment not a good thing. But then one of the things I've actually kind of liked about the newer stuff is how do they try to kind of wrestle with it? I mean, kind of attached people. Anyway, you don't like it. We don't want to get too much into it. But like, obviously, like, no, like, Jedi, you know, like, you know, you know Obi-Wan's obviously attached. And again, mm-hmm. you know, it, 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 there's going to be attachments. Yeah. But how do you deal with those attachments? navigating things you know it's a perfect thing to think about because like again it's this aspect of light where it's just easy to think about like oh yeah what could have been yeah <laughs> right yeah you know and again there's movies that just kind of deal with kind of uh that in kind of more playful kind of way 
sliding doors, for example. Because there's always like choices, like you know, which way or the other. The other movie I actually kind of think about the movie kind of plays with that idea of choices and how it kind of creates different things as frequency. Yeah, it does. You know, it's maybe we should do that again, sometime. You know, um, when you think about you know, we did kind of time travel movies, and like it's not the same thing. It's not really it deals with time. It's not time travel. Yeah, I mean, but, the movie you know, jumps like, between. You know, we did two different time periods, but yeah. it's not exactly time travel. But it changes time. But like, you know, we get in, you know, we did Looper earlier, right? We have a character within there that's experiencing different times at once. Like, Bruce, you know, like the Bruce yeah. Willis is able to kind of experience what is happening and what he experienced, but then now he has changed. He's, he's getting new memories for... He's changing yeah. his got new memories. Jim Caviezel, because of his interaction with his dad in the past, has changed things. Yeah. So he had this memories he's had his entire life, but now these new memories that have come, yeah. he's changing things. So, you know, there's always these aspects of things where you're kind of dealing with that aspect of things being different. And, you know, people ask that thing all the time, which is like, you know, what if I did this instead of this? You know, it doesn't even have to be this big decision where it's like, oh, yeah, like I uh, to elope with this guy, moved to America. It could just even be simple things where, like, say, oh, yeah, well, it's changing yellow. I'm not going through it. I'm just going to decide to stop and whatever because I'm not in a rush. Yeah. Or I'm actually on time to get to work. I'm on time to get to work. So I'm not going through that yellow light. I'm just going to stop. Yeah. Like, what happens if you don't do that? Right. Not saying that, like, at that moment, the thing happens. It might be the next moment where yeah. it might be, you know, might happen. five, ten or minutes from now. Because you had that slight like, delay, you know, something didn't, didn't happen that was going to happen. Or it might be that because you didn't go through it in your personal line, you start going, and some other guy blows a red light. Yeah, and T-bones. It hits you. You know, there's always these aspects of things. And it's all, you know, all of that's kind of at the tension of everything that's going on within this. This is where, you know, the, the everything bagel comes into play. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, well, yeah, we, we forgot to mention earlier that the movie's spread out into three parts. Yes. No, that's a good point. I yeah, labeled, about that. Yeah. yeah, everything is part one, part two is everywhere, part three is all at once. So everything is where we kind of learn about everything that's going on with the alternate universes and all that, and where it's all explained, you know, what verse jumping is and all this, which is actually, everything is most of the movie. Yeah. Probably a good two-thirds of the movie is the everything part. Yes, because now that she's attacked the Adra, Basically, Jobu is kind of sending all her minions, which is the alternate realities mm-hmm. of all these other people. That, yeah. But, you know, all the security guards. And, yeah, and, know, and office alternate. workers, all these other people within that area to attack like, everyone. Yeah. And alternate um, Deidre is the one that's been fighting them, is essentially Jobu's top lieutenant. Like commander, general. Yeah. Lieutenant, yeah, there you go. Yeah. So, yeah, so anyway. So Deidre is, is chasing Waymond and Evelyn, Alpha Waymond and Evelyn, while Evelyn's trying to tap into this Kung Fu Evelyn Still to get it. her skills. Yeah. And well, did we mention that like Waymond kind of thinks like this Evelyn can defeat everybody because that she's the epitome of all like the failures of Evelyn? Yeah, we haven't mentioned that yet. But yeah, okay. yeah, because that comes a little bit later. That's what um, I thought. Yeah. I remember the entire timeline. Yeah, kind of- yeah, because that, that comes Kung later. Fu. But yeah, so finally, after after Evelyn keeps on telling Deidre that she loves her, but nothing's <laughs> happening, <laughs> you know, the light's not turning green on her headset. She's just saying, I love you. I love saying, you. I love you. I love you. I love you. Doing it. And then they're no, sort of actual trapped in the stairwell addiction. and 
Deidre jumps over the railing toward her and is about to slam her face into the wall. And then Evelyn just sort of gives into it and genuinely tells Deidre that she loves her. And then the light turns green. She hits the light, all of a sudden has these kung fu abilities. You know, she's a master of kung fu and (laughs) takes Deidre down. And well, at that point, was it Wayman Prime that was with her? Yes. Yeah, it wasn't Alpha Wayman that was with her in the stairwell. So Wayman Prime is confused about all everything that's going on. So (laughs) when they get up, they get away from... From Deidre, and they meet up with Jobu in the hallway. Yeah, because yeah, you, you kind of see the scene now where she's like kind of passing through like the perimeter of the building. Like it's nothing there. Yeah, yeah so in the hallway, and there's like security or cops or SWAT that's trying to come and subdue them. Yeah, and so Evelyn sees Joy walking down the hallway and wondering why she's there, trying to tell her that she shouldn't be there. But it turns out that it's Jobu Tapaki. So Jobu takes out the uh, the guards that are there. In a very playful way. Yes. Uh, she, <laughs> uh, we find out that that through her multiversal abilities, her, her powers over the multiverse, she can basically form whatever she wants out of thin air. Because there are infinite realities out there that have yeah. infinite things. So she can basically pull whatever she wants from whatever realities at any time. Yeah. She doesn't need to kind of download anything. No. Hyperlink. Whatever way you want to come with. So, yeah, so... She has a natural ability of it now. Some of the weapons that she decides to use against the uh, security guards and the cops that are there are, uh, you know, a couple of big dildos. How bad for <laughs> these guys. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so, yeah, she kills a bunch of people with dildos. While I mean, magically, you know, just changing her clothes, just poofing into new clothes throughout the fight. Yeah, no, it's effortless. And they can't do anything, and they just kind of explode in the confetti. And then, of course, Evelyn's like, you know, you're killing all these people. <laughs> you know, that's not actually her joy. It's yeah. an alternate joy. It's hard to separate that, obviously. Yeah, so <laughs> so eventually they're able to escape Jobu, and they run into Joy. Because Jobu left Joy's body. So Evelyn takes Joy into an office and starts using packing tape to tape her to a chair. Meanwhile, yeah, no, like, Joy doesn't know what, what really they're doing. stop Jobu anyway. But. You know, because they get the grandpa... And so the whole family is in this office. And it's now Prime Wayman. It's no longer yeah. Alpha. It's Prime Wayman. So and he's trying Joy's to figure trying out to why. explain all of it. Which I like the aspect of it. How like, it's like that movie <laughs> with the raccoons. <laughs> but it's perfect, right? Because yes. it's just like, if you're trying to explain a really confusing movie. Yes. The people that have never seen it. Yeah. It's this like is how it is. The movie with the <laughs> raccoon that controls the chef. The raccoon cooey. <laughs> and Joy's like, ratatouille? And Joy's like, no, raccoon Yeah, raccoon <laughs> Whatever they said it. It's like, but it's like, it's a perfect analogy. But yeah, so so then for the, re- the rest of the movie, Wayman, anytime that Alpha Wayman takes over his body, he comes back, he's like, was I, was the raccoon, <laughs> was I raccoon Wayman? And we do discover that there is a alternate version yes, the, of Evelyn, where she is the Benihana chef. Yes, where she's the Benihana and chef. She's and she's jealous of yeah. someone that's much more talented than her, but it's only because he has a raccoon. Yes, he has a raccoon <laughs> under, under his, his hat, under his chef's hat, <laughs> that's pulling his hair and controlling his cooking, <laughs> his cooking skills. But remember, at this raccoon point. Raccoon cooey. <laughs> <A> raccoon <laughs> 
Evelyn's dad is back with them, and now the alpha version of himself appears. Yeah, which where and did where did the grandpa get his headset? Which that's <laughs> another thing. Like, where where did all of the like all of the minions, all of the Jobu's minions, where did they get their headsets? Because they all have like a at least one Bluetooth headset, right, in like, their ear. We know how Evelyn got hers. Yeah. No, Raymond gave it to her. But where did where did Wayman have them? Yeah. Did they did he just have them in his fanny pack? But yeah. So that's something that's never really explained anyway, in the movie. But tiny it's, plot hole. Yeah. It's a little plot hole, but whatever. But it's, yeah. It it doesn't really It's a movie about multiverses, yeah. whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Again, it gets back into like the, the family concept of it being the important part of it. So yeah. So like now you realize, oh, okay, so like grandfather's tapping on. And he's like, no, the solution is that you just kill her. Yeah, but Evelyn refuses to kill her daughter. Right. You know, and I think it's an important. It, it, it's funny how it's like it's a uh, aspect of the, like, the confrontation between her and her dad is not really over her and Wayman, over her and Joy. And it makes sense in a lot of ways. Like, you know, you have the grandchildren kind of represent like the actual passing on of the family. You know, there's the feeling of you kid doing what's really not a kid is because the kid's going to have a kid. And that's the person that's passing it off. Which is why, like, again, it gets into this aspect of that Joy's lesbian, and she is dating a super American girl, super white girl, right? Named Becky. Right? <laughs> like, who's named Becky anymore? It's like so, like, late 80s, early 90s. Like, yeah. Becky, you don't hear it. Like, it's just Rebecca. So, you know, you bring in that aspect. And now, you know, it's kind of really what's kind of forcing Evelyn to further action. Because she just wants, like you said, she, like, taped her to a chair. <laughs> and Joy's like, what are you doing to me? Because, you know, it's, like, strange to, you know, office chair and then starts taping you to the chair. Then it is revealed, like, eventually then, uh, you know, Jobu comes back into Joy's body later and takes Evelyn into her own little universe. Yes. To show her what she did, to show her what she made, because according to Alpha Wayman, Joba Tabaki created a black hole that's gonna suck everything in, suck all the universes in, and so Jobu takes Evelyn to go see this black hole, which yeah, she wants to go through that black hole. Isn't necessarily a, so much a black hole as much as it's a bagel. It's she everything. created a bagel, and she put everything in it, everything, all of her desires. All of everything that she knew, everything in the world and the universe, she put in this bagel, in this everything bagel. By the way, it looks like an everything bagel. It does. An everything bagel. Yes. However, it's not really an everything bagel, if you're going to be that literal about it, right? True. This is an everything bagel. There should be Asiago on it. True. There should be True. cinnamon raisin on it. True. No, it just looks like cinnamon, this is like sesame seed, onion, and salt, toppy seed. Which is freaking delicious. Yeah. However, it's really gonna make everything bagel. Like yeah. This. Yes. It should have all the. I mean, it should have blueberry. Well, it might. Blueberry. It might. I mean, the bagel that we see is all black, so there, it could have some of the other stuff in it. It's just because we can really only see the edges. What's on the edges of the bagel? That's a good point. Yeah. So it could be more central. All the other stuff. Alpha but we clearly see. Yeah, we clearly bagel, see like poppy seeds and sesame bagel. seeds. Yeah, it's basically it's just a big bagel that makes up a black hole. Yes. So it's sort of a combination of a black hole and an everything bagel, which I mean I thought was pretty creative. 
Yeah, it, it does bring the everything all together. Yeah, <laughs> it does. I didn't think of that when I was watching it. <laughs> it's an everything bagel in the everything <laughs> part. But yeah, her, her goal isn't to suck the, all the universes into it, but Jobu wants to go into it. He, she wants to put herself in it. Yes. Essentially destroy herself. But she can't. Do, she doesn't want to do it alone. She wants to take her mother with yeah, her. Yeah, right. Because she because even though Joy and Evelyn aren't really seeing eye to eye, and I mean Jobu definitely has reasons to uh, be upset with Evelyn, seeing as how Evelyn is the one that pushed her beyond her limits with verse jumping, or at least Alpha Evelyn. But she hasn't given up on her relationship with Evelyn, so she wants to take her with her into the bagel. Into the bagel. Because she doesn't know, she doesn't know what's going to happen when they when she when they go through the bagel. She's she's somewhat afraid of you know what her experiences are going to be. You know if she's just going to cease to exist or if there's going to be another universe in there or what. Yeah, right. But whatever yeah. the case, she doesn't want to do it without her mom. Which makes sense. Like that's a scary thing. You want to do with your mom, right? Yeah. So yeah, that's where it, it that's that's where the story really starts switching gears from a big multiversal threat. To being the family, a little bit more intimate drama. family drama, and they find themselves in. Uh, is it at that point that they're in the all that we start seeing what's going on in the alternate universe at the uh, yes at the laundromat? Correct. Where well, the first what kind of happens is you see kind of. Um, or do we have hot dog dad, first? Yeah, that's, that's in there. Yeah, because at one point, yeah, we're it's the rest of this probably isn't going to be, you know, seen, but like sequential because <laughs> uh, everything kind of happens all at once. <laughs> everything everywhere happens all they at start, once. Yeah, cause so, this is, yeah, I forget the exact point where they kind of switch to chapters, but it's right around this scene. Mm hmm. So yeah, so Deidre breaks in and is attacking Evelyn again. And Evelyn, trying to tap into the Kung Fu Evelyn, isn't able to complete the connection. So she's trying all these different things to complete the connection. Then finally completes the connection, but it's not with the Evelyn she wants. It's with one that has hot dogs for fingers. That's it, yeah. And you have this other aspect that's starting to happen. We get where it is in all of us, where her dad, because he's decided, no, you need to kill her. As a side that, oh no, like Evelyn needs to be stopped too because Evelyn's gonna kind of follow the path of yeah of Jobu, Jobu. because we find so, out that uh, now have some of these people you've seen kind of on the periphery now being set. I don't really kind of kind of yeah. get where you know because you don't see the alpha version of him till now. Yeah, how he's observing all of this, but and you yeah. have a scene there where you have like the Jobu that attacks like the van or Alpha Wingman. Yes. So we've got Evelyn who is getting more comfortable verse jumping and she's starting to show signs of being like Jobu, of being able to verse jump like Jobu does so effortlessly. And we find out that that is because Alpha Wingman explains that she's the one who is able to do all this because she's not good at anything. Yeah, because she is the one Evelyn in all of the universes in the entire multiverse that is not good at any one thing. She has all these hobbies, all these things that she's tried over the years but failed at. Failed all of them. She has nothing that she is truly good at, which is what makes her the perfect 
Evelyn because she can tap into to be a, to be a verse jumper because she can tap into every ability that all the other Evelyns have. So uh, I mean, and she's the one, <laughs> you know. So these so, yeah, so at least impressive for them, right? Yeah, <laughs> the which yeah, which makes her the one, makes her Neo. Uh, I I guess I kind of wonder, like, do the other. You know, I guess, you know, we're talking about like Prime and Alpha as the two main kind of universes. And she's jumping into whether it be Kung Fu, martial arts, or, uh, movie star, uh, singer, chef, hot dog, right? stinger, hot dog, finger. <laughs> like, I guess these other universes aren't necessarily as aware of the universe jumping as you know, she is because it's, it's the alpha verse where they do the verse jumping right yeah like get you know accessed into <laughs> yeah it's, yeah because the alpha verse that discovered verse jumping so we start following this alternate evelyn who's back in the laundromat getting ready for the chinese new year party and she doesn't know at this point that wayman has been thinking about a divorce right because no, that that so alternate wayman has the divorce papers too that's right yes so just like Wayman Prime, this this alternate Wayman has divorce papers that Evelyn doesn't know about. And Deidre shows up at the laundromat with cops to arrest mm-hmm. Evelyn for tax stuff and to foreclose on the business. I'm not sure like which tax stuff she would be arrested on. Like I get closing the business or maybe just making sure that she complies with the order. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. yeah. It's not like it's purposeful tax evasion. No. It's just... It's not... Purposeful tax evasion is not really tax fraud. Right. Um, like, but, like, if she interferes, I get wanting to have cops there. So. Yeah. But, like, again, like, it's Chinese New Year, and it gets back, and we talk about it. They have this, like, kind of tension of things of playing between kind of your old culture and your new song. Yeah. Which then, yeah. you know, makes that version of Evelyn, you know, she gets angry, she grabs a baseball bat, breaks the front window, gets tackled by the cops and handcuffed. Meanwhile, Wayman starts talking to Deidre. Again, we don't hear what he's saying, but after a couple of minutes, Deidre comes over, tells the cops to let her go, to let Evelyn go, and says that they have a week. But, you know, again, Evelyn, while she's being cuffed, sees Wayman talking to Deidre, and again, is thinking that he's ruining things, that he's going to mess it up, but he bought her a week. He bought her time. Then that universe is kind of intermingled with the rest of the movie, you know, kind of going back and forth, seeing how that progresses. But we get to the point where it switches over to the everywhere part. Yeah. When, after all of Jobu's minions, make it to the IRS building where Evelyn Prime is. And they're trying to fight her. And they're trying to fight her. Because her father, you know, Alpha, what, Gong Gong? Yeah, Gong Gong. Yeah. Yeah, because that's like the term for grandfather. Yeah, he's sort of (laughs) leading the pack. He's sort of leading the, uh, the minions. It's um, appropriate you have the tension between these generations. He does come from nowhere. You're kind of wondering where he is prior to the, all of this, but that doesn't matter. But yeah, all of a sudden you see all these other people start, you know, he has control over his own minions that have been in the vicinity, obviously, of the IRS building. Yeah. So during this fight that goes on there, which I think was before everybody showed up, that two of the security guards... Yes. The security guard and then one other minion are, are trying to fight Evelyn. And that's where those trophies come into butt play. <laughs> the trophy butt because plugs. Or the butt plug trophies. That 
ends up becoming their link. Yeah, that ends up becoming their link to the abilities they need. They have to um, jump on, they, not just jump, they have to land have on to, yeah. this pointed object that has to penetrate their anus. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so <laughs> so they do that. Um, so one has a bigger trophy in him than the other one does. <laughs> and they start fighting. They start her. fighting. Her. All said trophy yes. is still inserted in their anus. Yes. Now, in, in case you're wondering, everything's blurred. <laughs> all the naughty bits are blurred. Sorry that you don't get <laughs> ladies or dudes of that persuasion. You don't get to see any uh, any Johnson. actual insertion or any Johnsons. <laughs> but <laughs> but yeah, so they're but <laughs> but uh, so they're fighting with these trophies sticking out of their butts. <laughs> Best picture winner. Yes, <laughs> Best Picture winner has a butt plug fight. <laughs> he thought, like you know, Gladiator. Not only, not only, it's his head cut off with scissors. Yes, not only Best Picture, but Best Director also. <laughs> yes, screenplay. <laughs> yes, Best Screenplay. Tarantino's um, one Best Screenplay, so you know. Yeah. <laughs> What's Tarantino, Tarantino movie has to win best picture? Yeah. The last movie has to win but best picture. No Tarantino movie has ever also has ever had a butt plug fight and people being killed by dildos in the same movie. No. <laughs> <laughs> but when you think about like you know like Pulp Fiction, like yeah, there there's your like cult movie. Yeah. <laughs> when, like oh man. I, I shot Marvin in the, the face. face. <laughs> Just accidentally shot him in the face. <laughs> yeah. Did you see the sign? It's it. <laughs> anyway. But anyway, so that's so, a yeah. good example. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we had to we had to go uh, yeah. through that because because we we can't build it up like we did earlier at the beginning and not deliver on that scene. <laughs> but yeah, so. IRS butt plugs. IRS yes. butt plugs. IRS butt plugs, IRS. yes. IRS. Okay, so, yeah. Stamp trophies that are shaped like butt plugs. <laughs> but, yeah, so. Like, do you think, real, is it really, like, R of the year? I guess they do have an auditor of the year. But they really, uh, I don't know, yeah. But is it of I the year? I don't think out of it. But it is yeah, the so, who knows. So we get, you know, Alpha Gong Gong leading the pack to try to stop Evelyn. And meanwhile, at this point, Jobu in the Alpha universe has taken down the van that Alpha Wayman and his cohorts are yes. hiding in. And she has killed Alpha Wayman. Poor Alpha Wayman. I like Alpha Wayman. I did too. Alpha Wayman was cool. So now we just have Wayman Prime, who yep. is trying to reason with everybody, as he does. And oblivious to the whole multiverse. Yeah. Well, I mean, he knows what Evelyn has explained to him and that sometimes, sometimes right. he gets raccoon cooey. Um, 
<laughs> Raccoon Kui Wayman. Yeah, he's, he's like <laughs> to take over his body. Actually, from the <laughs> Yeah, but you're right. I should say oblivious. That's a that's the wrong way. So, so yeah, so he's confused about it. He's trying to tell Evelyn that she doesn't need to fight everybody. That there are other ways to go about it to find peace. Yes. And she's not listening to him. And at this point, you know, it's sort of jumping between different different universes, especially the Raccoon Kui universe with the and Hibachi chefs, with the Benihana chefs. You know, and she's and, experiencing, like, everything, right? She's yeah. seeing all these universes. Because this is the so, everywhere part. So everywhere is coming in. Yeah, I so I get where he is sounding very reasonable. Yeah. And but within her perspective, you could see her not leaving yet. Yeah, and so we, we start seeing things where in the different universes, like the raccoon universe, where with Raccoon Kui, that Evelyn is jealous of the guy who has the raccoon on his head. So she walks up, she takes off his chef's hat, reveals that there's a raccoon controlling him. Animal control comes in, takes the raccoon away. And, uh, that poor guy. Yeah. I like that guy. Yeah, me too. But yeah, so he's, helps. the guy's devastated because he's not a good hibachi chef without the raccoon. <laughs> and, you know, and the raccoon is his best friend and is being taken away from him. And, and have you ever seen Ratatouille? It's not hibachi chefs. It's actually high French cuisine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but anyway. then, you know, it cuts over to Hot Dog Finger Universe where yeah. Evelyn and Deidre are in a relationship. They were going through a rough patch, but they're starting to mend things. And that sort of opens up Evelyn Prime, you know, through looking through <laughs> the eyes of Hot Dog Fingers, Evelyn. <laughs> you know, it sort of opens her up to the concept of Joy being a lesbian, of her daughter being a lesbian and being a little bit more accepting of that. Yes. And not just be on that, it's be able to kind of branch out beyond that. And it jumps over to the Kung Fu universe with uh, with movie star Evelyn, where at this big fancy party, she runs into that universe's Waymond. Who, again, remember, like we talked about in this, it's each decision is where the branch off point. Yeah. So it turns out that this from not... Evelyn knew this Wayman, but she just... Yeah. Stayed. She stayed and, stayed and he left. And it turns out that he became rich and famous too. Yep. He became successful because he's at the same party in a tux. He's and in a nice tux. So they sort of go outside to catch up from the years of, of uh, not seeing each other. And he starts, you know, explaining things to her that we don't get all in one chunk. Yeah. It's no, not they, just they an exposition dump. They're cutting a, back and forth well between different things. Kind of how they do it. Um, Meanwhile, in the Prime Universe, we have Jobu, who's there that Evelyn thinks that she needs to fight. And yep. Wayman Prime is, you know, sort of stuck in the middle of everything and trying to reason with Evelyn, trying to reason with Gong Gong. And through all this, we have tuxedo wearing Wayman talking to Kung Fu Evelyn and basically explaining to her that she needs to not act so much as much as she needs to listen. And she needs to, to be reasonable and not be so impulsive. Isn't that true for, like, so many people? So easy yeah. just to be in. And so that's when, you know, Evelyn Prime realizes that Wayman is not useless. You know, he, he's actually, he, he all these times, you know, when he's talked to Deidre. 
Right. No, or when he's you know talked through things, he he has been talking where, through them and reasoning with people and being. She's just trying to act. Yeah, yeah. He's actually thinking things through and taking the correct actions and being patient. No, I all like foreground. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but yeah. So <laughs> so then that's that's where she decides to stop fighting and basically goes up to each person. Each person that's trying to kill her, because at this point, Jobu has decided that she's going to go into the bagel. And the bagel has been pulled into the Prime Universe. It's at the top of a set of stairs. And Evelyn has told Jobu that she's not going to go with her. So Jobu decides that she's going to go still and that Evelyn can stay and she doesn't need her. And so Evelyn decides she's going to try to reason with Jobu. But each of these people that's in her way... She essentially taps into whatever universe she needs to to give them what they need. Rather than fighting them, she connects with them and sees what they need, and she provides them with what they need, and then they're satiated. She does that with each person, including Gong Gong, which comes back in a minute. But uh, she's making her way up the stairs and you know trying to stop Jobu from going into the everything bagel. And so she ends up grabbing Jobu's hand, trying to keep her from going into the bagel. And then, while still having these flashes from other universes, determines that she needs to let her daughter, let Joy, be her own person. Yes. She needs to stop trying to control her life the way that her father tried to control hers. And she needs to to let her go. Which then, Jobu goes into the bagel. And then, rather than losing her forever, realizes that she needs to still be there for her. Can't just let her go for good, but she still needs to be there for her. So she reaches in and grabs her hand and tries to pull her out, but can't by herself. So that's when Waymond and Gong Gong help her. Yes. When the whole family gets together and is able to save Jobu, save Joy, and bring her back into the fold. You know, it's a good way of, it's funny to me, talking about the hot dog fingers and butt plugs and everything like that. Everything bagels. Presenting. Yeah. <laughs> you know, people turn into confetti and but you know, it's presenting a very nihilistic view of things. Yeah. But it brings into that of uh, understanding this family and this aspect, at least choosing towards something, some type of good. That there is a good that is there. And you know, I think maybe that aspect could potentially be explored a little bit more. But, you know, and I I get it. Like, it's going to be this universe that's chosen like that. It's got to be the uh, prime universe, right, that's chosen from it. But, again, it it gets back into its family. Families are just driving everything, as broken as it might be. So complicated. Yeah. Right? (laughs) But family is all they've got. Yeah. So they got to... You know, it'd be easy to say, like, she could jump towards some other universe... But it would still be pretty meaningless. Like, well, why are you choosing that? Be any number of other universes, like that, Evelyn could make a choice, and then that choice from there presents a better Evelyn. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, Evelyn realizes that earlier, when she first came in contact with kung fu movie star, rich and famous Evelyn, that she wanted her life so badly. She wanted that life instead of her own. You know, at the end of the movie, she realizes that she has the perfect life for herself because she no, has her family. Like, things get difficult, but it doesn't mean that, like, 
you know, if if she had lived that life that easily. Yeah. If she had lived the life that movie star Evelyn lived, then she wouldn't have her daughter. She wouldn't have joy. Right. Which I mean, kind of blatant that, you know, when they name their daughter Joy, (laughs) (laughs) you know, that she is her joy. She wasn't named after the Joy Luck Club. I mean, maybe, (laughs) maybe it's all just a coincidence, but, (laughs) but yeah, but yeah, in her daughter, she found joy. She found her joy. But yeah, so then somehow after all that went on at the IRS building, they are set up for another meeting with Deidre to go over taxes. <laughs> it's back Monday. That's the thing. It's all mundane. There's yeah. all these things. And, it's just... and this time Joy is with them for uh, to be a translator. But she is. Yes. But yeah, so that kind of makes you wonder, you know, did time reset that day then? Or right. I, I've had this thought. Cause it, is something, you know, did something like that was Wayman able to, to talk to everybody and make everything right. <laughs> to kind of let everyone know, we're like, we're in the last scene of the movie now with what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like it's this new scene with Deirdre and Joy's there now and the talking about things and Deirdre's kind of favorable to what they had to say. She said there's work that's needed, right? But she's more positive than any time you've ever seen her in a movie. Yeah. Well, outside hot dog. Yeah, but yeah, so but yeah, basically she's telling you know, they have a lot of work to do, but oh, they're on the right track. Right. Yeah. It's a very it's a positive aspect and you know, it's it's, it's, it's funny. Like, polar opposite to what the conversation at the beginning of the movie was with Deidre. Yeah, totally. And yeah, so it's the last scene and it's funny like oh, it's still kind of oblivious to all of it because then like you kind of seeing her face, but then Kind of instead of getting just like Jamie Lee Curtis, you get everything all at once coming in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and it's only happened. the last few minutes of the movie that is the all at once part. Yes. You know, like two thirds of it is everywhere, er, everything. Then maybe. No, it, like you said, it's like, really like two thirds of the movie. A little, little more than a quarter of it. Yeah. Then a little, little more no, over a quarter of it is everywhere. And then all at once is just the last yeah. few minutes. I would say like 30% of the movie, 31% of the movie is, you take a look, cut off the eight minutes, 10 minutes or whatever the uh, end credits would be, right? Because, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they, they add that into the time of the movie. Yeah. Most so, um, people don't stay for that. But yeah, it's like really the last like three minutes of the movie is all at once. But I thought, I mean, it was, it was a, I thought it was, I liked it. I thought it was a good movie. Um, I liked it too. It's a good movie. And the more I, I think about it, the more I like it. I mean, I, I it's it's not my favorite movie. Um, it's, a, it it's a good it movie. It could be a cult-type movie where I watch it more and more. I'm like, love it. I don't yeah. know if I get there. Um, if you haven't seen it, it's definitely worth watching. No, without a doubt, watch it. Not um, just because I think most Best Picture movies are worth watching, even there are some that I have not yeah. liked a whole lot. It's just worth seeing just to kind of know what that discourse is. And I think this movie will inspire some. And some of this is because, like, again, we're talking about multiverse again, and we talked, we touched on it earlier, right? We kind of have, like, a comic version of it, and then you kind of have the more metaphysical aspect of it, which this movie actually does kind of touch on both. There's aspects of the idea of kind of creating your truth. Like, I may not 
beeping into. But it's all done well. And it's interesting. So we haven't really even talked about it. We talked about how like, Jamie Lee Curtis won an Oscar and the other Oscar winners for this movie. But the directors of the movie, Daniels, two guys named Daniel, one's Asian-American, one's not, one's you know Caucasian, direct the movie. And they just go, you know, they're kind of a duo, not brothers like the Coen brothers, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you don't call them the Coen brothers. But both their first name is Daniel. Basically, Daniels. Yeah. Uh, they did Swiss Army Men was their first movie. With, yeah, with uh, uh, Elijah Wood. Elijah and Wood Daniel, and... Right, and, yeah. which is also kind of a strange movie. And Daniel Radcliffe was in that too. Yes. <laughs> Daniel Radcliffe was the uh, Swiss Army Man. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. But not afraid to kind of go out and push boundaries a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Like having. Uh, but they were the best fights. director. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, 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 uh, I would say I think the movie might get a bit too aware of itself. It knows that it's kind of crazy and zany and doing all these things. I would know it's not a movie I would, you know, I talked about earlier, like one thing that's like about the early part of the movie is like, I love the set design of it. It took a while getting into the, some of the characters, especially Evelyn. Yeah. As well as Michelle, y'all, you know, Michelle did in this, you know, it's, she's, she's a terrific actress. So, I mean, you know, there's nothing wrong with her. It just seemed like, being invested in her character, right? I was invested in Wayman's character. Yes, I was. Yeah, invested in Wayman's character whether, right off the bat. Whether it be Alpha Wayman or Prime Wayman or whatever Wayman yeah. we experienced, I was invested in him. Yeah, me too. Throughout I, the entire yeah, right movie. off the bat. Yeah. So what I uh, really enjoyed about the movie. So we didn't mention this earlier, but the song absolutely "Story of a Girl" by Nine Days. <laughs> makes several appearances throughout the movie, mostly in the background yeah. in several of the, uh, of the alternate universes, particularly in the scenes that really involve Evelyn over anybody else in that universe. You know, you hear it playing you know, on the radio or something, some cover of it. You yeah. know, it's, it's not the actual, you know, nine days version of the song. And when alpha when, uh, when alpha Wayland is first explaining everything that's going on to Evelyn, telling her that she is basically Neo. She's basically the one. She's the one that can do all this, that yeah. can connect all these people. Right. You know, he starts, he starts off by telling her, you know, you've been waking up and things haven't been quite right. Your clothes never fit the same the next day. <laughs> Your hair never falls yeah. in quite the same way. <laughs> yeah. It's probably like, I, I, it, it's interesting. I, I liked how he brought that in because it, it's funny. Like, you know, like it's like 20 years later now. Like, okay, yeah, we're pushing 40, okay? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but no, you know, but it's a fitting song, though. It's a fitting song to, we to be worked in. in the late 90s. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Middle school, we were like eighth, ninth, tenth grade in the late 90s, early 2000s. Mm-hmm. All right. But, like, it, bring it in at this point that like it, it's funny that, that that song comes up in it because like third eye blind would be one of the few one of those bands of that era that's probably the most enduring yeah right? you know obviously you know semi charm life is obviously really well known but they other songs as well but nine days and absolutely yeah 
It was huge at that time. It was huge when it came out, but then it faded fairly but quickly. It faded. And even if that was like the only hit, like they might have been able to kind of stay together at some point, come back and make kind of a career out of themselves just playing that song. But it never happened. But, but yeah. Like their eye blind, they had like, you know, they had Jumper and Graduate and other songs. <laughs> <laughs> never let you go. They had other albums. Yeah. People cared about. But Nine Days is kind of a one hit wonder. But it makes sense in some ways, right? Because like, they were, again, like, you think about this movie taking place present day, and probably a song, like, when probably been hearing about when they traveled from China yeah. to the U.S., and it's, 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 it's actually a super catchy song. I like so much from Michael. It's a, it's a good song. Nine Days, Absolute Serve a Girl is a better song. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and it, and it's fitting with the movie too because it plays in all in in the scenes that are truly focused on Evelyn, and it's almost like she's the girl whose story the song is about. <laughs> you know. Yeah, and I just need to give her a smile. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, <laughs> you know, I will wax nostalgic about late '90s rock. And- yeah, pop. late late '90s, early 2000s. Yeah, I'll get, I could talk about Stroke Nine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, there's one I have. Remy Zero. While. Yes, Remy Zero. Uh, <laughs> While we're talking about, let appear, let Biscuit just released some like new video. <laughs> <laughs> wow, let <Lip> Biscuit. <laughs> there's a name I haven't heard in a long time. <laughs> but anyway, but yeah that's that's uh, for that's for our other music podcast that might happen someday <laughs> <laughs> if we ever do or like ready zero would be a good one if we ever do a tv one because i'm just talk about smallville mm-hmm. yeah and, you know they had a theme song too yeah they did a theme song for Smallville. It's Superman. Yeah. Um, so bad I anyway. <laughs> I, I can't do it. Sorry. No. It's not within my range. Yes. This is not the karaoke podcast. <laughs> <laughs> this is not karaoke time with Robin Tony. <laughs> this is Robin Tony's cinematic adventure. Remember, <laughs> you other songs, by the way. Yes, if they you, did. Maybe you know Remy Zero. Yes. No, they I, actually had yes. about one or two other songs that were on the radio that you might have heard besides yes. I'm I'm a, I'm actually a, a pretty big fan of Remy Zero. They've got some good stuff. But yeah, so any anything else? Uh... There's one other thought I had about this. Like, I, I was thinking about like it, it plays into a lot of uh, they're playing into a lot of movies thoughts and the the other movie I thought about what when I was watching this was uh Dark City. Yeah. Oh it's been a while since I've seen that one. <laughs> uh you know a very different way and a little different because like Dark City is another force that is kind of playing within your own reality but in creating kind of the memories that you have. But and again it's another movie where like things are kind of changing. And you don't, you know, and you have a character where it's all kind of coming together, these different aspects and thoughts that he has. And like Dark City, like that, you know, it's it's kind of a funny thing. Like if 
you know, for the 90s, there are certain movies that kind of come out together in pairs. The most famous example would be Volcano and Dante's Peak. Yep. Or, <laughs> you know, Armageddon uh, and Deep Impact. And, and Deep Impact, right? Those would be the two, right? But Dark City and Matrix are kind of two also that, you know, it's... Yeah. Dark City was not as well seen as Matrix, and yeah, Matrix law that was because like the visuals were so groundbreaking. Dark City wasn't quite as into making you know, the big huge visual effects, but similar, very similar. But yeah, yeah plus you know, I mean Matrix, Matrix had earlier. had bigger names attached to it too. Yeah, Keanu Reeves and you know Lawrence Fishburne and Carrie Ann Moss, obviously Carrie yeah. Ann Moss. Yeah, Hugo Weaving at that point was. Unless you were like Australian, yeah, he was somewhat unknown oh, yeah, in America. Yeah, but it helped make his name, right? Yeah, <laughs> and it had like some character actors like Joe Pantoliano. We talked about him and Vento, but he was, you know, he was a pretty recognizable enough to people, right? As opposed to Dark City, right? Uh, well, Kiefer was, and... yeah, Kiefer Sutherland, which like yeah, is Kiefer Sutherland and like William Hurt would have been the two big names, yeah. They were not the main characters in that movie. <laughs> like Jennifer Connelly at that point, you know, she, you know, that was probably close to her real breakout with that. Betsy the Abbots. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, yeah, there's definitely some parallels yeah, I, there with with Dark City. I can, I can see it. Yeah. Yeah. So they're the, the definitely drawing on a lot of that. Again, like, I don't get to see as many movies anymore. Like, the other movie that would have been big this year that would have been comp- competed for that I enjoyed more and it's another movie that's actually probably ends bleaker than this but it's also you know definitely involved a lot of nihilism be the uh banshees of any year which i thought was a terrific movie i think that yeah that's one i, I haven't seen that a one stronger movie overall yeah i haven't seen that one yet but, but i've heard great things about it it's one of those ones that I'm i want to watch one of these fault days. people that like everything it's just a preference of mine and again doesn't mean that if i watch both movies six months from now kind of back to back that i wouldn't like everything everywhere all at once yeah i mean it there can be more than than one movie that's a good movie you know right (laughs) so it's that's a good point like people people sometimes envision this thing as like the zero something like people get upset like uh, oh, you have to pick one Forrest movie Gump or the other. Pulp Fiction and Shawshank Redemption for Best Picture. Like, yeah, it doesn't Forrest, like that doesn't make Forrest those other Gump movies any less merits. good. Like Forrest Gump actually is still a good movie. Right? You know, I'm sure there's other one I can think of that kind of came out at the same time. I, oh, yeah, here's a good example. I thought we talked about uh, the Coen Brothers earlier, 2007, No Country for Old Men. Was up against There Will Be Blood. Both movies are fantastic, right? No Country for Old Men one, but yeah, that doesn't make There Will Be Blood a bad movie. Both are remembered just as well as being great movies. Yeah, so it's it's, it's okay yeah, to it's, have it multiple movies that come out in one year that you really enjoy. Right, that's the thing. Is like you know, overall, each year has several movies that are terrific, and some people might have a different list of you know saying, okay, there's eight movies that are excellent. Some say, maybe okay, there's six that are excellent. Some they say, oh, you know, I thought a lot of them are excellent. You know, people have different tastes and different ways they view movies. That's okay. (laughs) You like what you like. (laughs) Yeah. Even the worst movies out there. Even Mono's Hands of Fate. (laughs) 
has its uh, its fans. You know, so you like what you like. There's nothing wrong with this. It. I was worrying where we go, and like I didn't dislike it. I talked positively about it. I don't know if I would say I love this movie. Mm-hmm. That could change. Yeah, I, I, same here. I, I I wouldn't say that I love it. I liked it. I enjoyed it. It was it was an intriguing, you know, enjoyable watch. There were and aspects well, of it that I that loved. It could change is because yeah. it does have a lot of cult elements to it. Yes. Where there were aspects of it. Really catching on to it. Yeah. There were aspects of it that I loved. Yeah. There were aspects of it that I wouldn't that I wasn't a big fan of. It's not a bad movie. Overall, it was a very <laughs> enjoyable watch. I luck lo- I liked it. It was I I highly recommend watching it if you haven't seen it. You know, it's it's definitely worth watching. And keep on. There are great, great performances throughout. He's he's fantastic in it, and if any one of them, he's the one that probably deserved to win the yes. Oscar the most. Yes. Um, because I think his is the trickiest because he is going between so many different aspects. Of and the character. just just in a, as an aside, do you see on stage at the Oscars when he and Harrison Ford? Yeah. Saw each other. <laughs> something about say short round has won Oscar. Yeah, <laughs> that's perfect because he can kind of think like, okay, yeah, yeah like because he saw him in the Goonies and like, okay, yeah, he just kind of seems like a kid actor and then disappears, whatever. But, but yeah, the, 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 then but, come back and he's honestly great. Uh, <laughs> but Indiana Jones and Short Round being reunited at the Oscars was priceless. Yeah, it was an Indiana Jones movie. Mm-hmm. Yep. What's with that? <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so that is our discussion about everything everywhere all at once. And I'm glad um, we did this. Like, yeah, it's it's something that we were both too. new to. And yeah. I think, you know, I'm glad that we were able to not discuss any part of it. Yeah, this is... Yeah, for, yeah. Those, for those listening, this, <laughs> this, uh, this was Tony's and my first discussion about this movie with each other. Yeah. We we both watched the movie and did not say anything to each other about what we thought of, of it, about you know anything. Yeah. And so this is this is our first our first uh, discussion about it. And I'm not surprised. We kind of have the same opinion. Yeah. <laughs> same here. <laughs> same here. But <laughs> like it's good. We liked it, and maybe you know we're not, all again might like it more. It's not a perfect movie. Like I, like I said earlier, you know, the more I think about it, the more I like it. Yeah, you know, and I don't like to get I I could get deeper into diving into real like literary type criticism with the movie. I'm not gonna do that. That's, that's not what we're here for. Discussing the movie and how we respond to the movie. So yeah, and yeah. So um, yeah. So anyway, I uh, I hope you you enjoyed listening to our uh, our discussion and of this one. If you haven't seen it and, <laughs> you know, just go into it as open minded as possible. Yes. Try to block away any of the hype or again, like, especially today with movies, you know, you get the hype, but it's easy to also get into kind of a discourse where it's like this movie's terrible, right? Yeah, um, stay away from that too. I mean, it's movies you need the fresh perspective as possible without anything else. Fun. I hope you enjoyed us talking about it, and it was a little bit different, like Rob said, because it was 
brand new to both of yes, us. Yes, it's brand new to both of us. Neither of us had seen and it before we watched we it for this podcast. Anything about it. Yeah, to each like, other. Yeah, you know, I watched it before Rob, and I didn't give anything yeah. away. All, you had to watch it. The only, the only discussion that went on there was Tony texted me, told me that he watched the movie, and that's all that he said about it. <laughs> yeah. I said, I had thoughts. Yes. <laughs> I always have thoughts. But the uh, movie or The Sopranos, always do us good. Yeah, so I really hope you enjoyed. You know, watch the movie. Yeah, and, and we, we'd like to merits. we'd like to hear your opinions on it. Hey, guess what? If you don't like yeah. it, that's good too. That's Go. fine. Yeah, that's, that's say it's utter horseshit. I don't care. Yeah, let us know in the comments. You know, we want to know what you thought. Uh, what you thought of the movie? What you thought of our thoughts on it? What whatever. Let us know what you thought. If you thought it deserved the Oscars or not, you know, the Oscars that it won. Uh, if you thought that maybe it deserved more. Yeah. And hey, check us out on social media. Uh, we are on Facebook and Instagram. Our uh, handle is Rob and Tony's Cinematic Adventure. Uh, it is all spelled out. The and is spelled out. It's not an ampersand. Unlike the name of the podcast, which is an ampersand, but it's Rob and Tony's Cinematic Adventure, all spelled out for Facebook and Instagram. We are also on Twitter or X, if you want to call it that. That is R&T Cinematic. And we are also on Letterboxd. So if you have a Letterboxd account, check us out there. That is Cine Adventure or Sign Adventure, however you want to pronounce that. But that is C-I-N-E Adventure. Uh, and if you want to send us an email, let us know what you think of the podcast, request movies, whatever you want to do with the email, except send a spam. Please don't do that. But that is Rob and Tony's Cinematic Adventure, all spelled out. Rob and Tony's Cinematic Adventure at gmail.com. Nice and simple. So check us out in those places and go on your favorite podcast app. Subscribe to our podcast. Give us a listen. Let us know what you think in the comments. Leave us some good reviews. That's how we move up in the standings and in the search and all that stuff. So, uh, yeah, check us out and help us to uh, have a successful podcast so we can keep on bringing these wonderful movies to your ears. So next up, we're going to be doing another Oscar winner, another Best Picture winner. We're going into Ancient Rome. With Gladiator. Russell Crowe. And Joaquin uh, Phoenix. Yes, Joaquin Phoenix. Jamon Hansu. <laughs> which, this might have been the first movie I saw him in. <laughs> this is the first movie I saw. But yeah, so we're going to be doing Gladiator next. So, stay tuned for that. We will see you then.